Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straup. It is Thursday, July 14th, and today we're going to be looking at some wide receiver tiers. We'll get a snapshot of how we should be prioritizing wide receivers in fantasy drafts right now as of mid-July and moving forward. I'm joined by Lawrence Jackson, Pat Corain, and Kyle Dvorak. Fellas, before we get into that, as I understand it, we are in the midst or maybe near the end of a big annual fantasy football tradition, the industry draft, the Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, where are we in this whole thing? What's the latest for anyone who doesn't know? What is it? What's going on? Someone bring us up to speed. So the Scott Fishbowl Annual Charity League. I, I'll have to pull up uh, Scott's Twitter to get the actual name of the charity. But the point is, uh, tons of content uh, made around it. Fantasy, yeah, fantasy cares, cares yeah. exactly. Uh, tons of content made around it. Tons of fundraising done, all in an effort to bring together everyone for a greater cause. Because mostly we're just on Twitter shouting at each other, insulting each other's intelligence about like two points of projection. So to actually do something good with our degenerate lives once a year is uh, probably right, now, important. Oh, I was going to say now we get to do that about a charity league. <laughs> it's, true. it's just like another another avenue which is a good a good uh outfit for our rage a good way to uh channel this destructive self-hatred of each other into something that at least can help other people uh really unique scoring settings it actually functions kind of like a best ball tournament in that you get cut downs which helps okay. me sort of finagle it into the the framework i have but scoring is really cool and it's different every year it's similar this year to last year two years ago but overall the scoring gets like tweaked and updated every year so it is not like any league i have ever played in other than other scott fishbowls but it's ballpark, like a, how, how many people are in it ballpark and is there only one cooper Cup? 3, is there only one justin jefferson in this universe no there's multiples yeah no, it's, it's all split it's up like a best ball yeah, okay. it is like a, a best ball tournament in that you play in your own little league and then right. you enter a larger league where you could be facing almost the exact same lineup as yourself. And yeah, it's a few thousand or something like that. Biggest, it's gotten bigger every single thousand. Yeah, man, it's big yeah. as far as like so. traditional fantasy goes. Anything other than best ball, it's, it's really big. Crazy. So. Yeah, and it's basically, it's a super flex league. It's also a very deep flex league. It can start up to seven wide receivers, I think, with one in the super flex. You can flex kickers. And kickers actually are like they score a decent amount because there's no miss point. There's no negative points for missed kicks this year, I believe. The it's essentially a half PPR league, sort of. There's like points for first downs and stuff, but I've been kind of thinking of it as a half PPR league. Tight end premium, 
And and bonuses for like quarterback accuracy. If you are over two thirds really completion rate, efficiency uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah. Yeah. Once you crest two thirds completion rate, you start getting bonuses beyond that. I mean, it's just how it works out based on completions minus incompletions or whatever. You have to get past two thirds, I think, to be uh, like profitable on your completions and you get penalized big time for interceptions i think right minus four for interceptions so it does reward specifically Ouch. quarterback accuracy is that right crane you get big interception negatives i think so yeah and the other thing it's good that we're all in this and we're kind of starting to work out the scoring now yeah, I'm, yeah i never even pay attention to the scoring i just go get the players that i like that's this a good point yeah. though why don't you just pick the best players yeah, i just th- this yeah. is the I, this is the league where i worry about strategy the least and there's strategy involved like you want to obviously you want to get good players but it's like you want to get players that you feel like rooting for if you could get them all. Obviously, you won't, but it's a, it's a fun draft. Everybody taking all the quarterbacks within the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it's cool like that. Corrine, I understand you had a recent – you got a draft dilemma going on right now. Is that is that the case? Right now. I'm on the clock. Apologies to my league mates. Uh, it's only been about an hour and a half. It's not, not the end of the world. You know? I'm going to say for your league mates, you're probably – Probably going to be on the clock for about 50 more minutes is my guess, at least. That's well, my prediction. Let's do the pick. We'll do the pick right now. If we, Can we come to I a might, decision? I might wait. If, 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 Kyle's, if Kyle's in the middle of a good point, I might go ahead and go make that pick. <laughs> so, or a really bad the, point. You already got your guy, Trey Lance, so you good. Well, that's, that's actually part of the dilemma is that I'm – so here's the deal. I'm in the 10th round. I have had an interesting start where I, I started out of the 105 – I took Patrick Mahomes, come back, took Jamar Chase, then I took Trey Lance, which I think the in a number of ways I think elite quarterbacks really help your team. The way the playoffs work, it's like mm-hmm. kind of staying out of the bottom for like five weeks until the last two weeks are kind of a GPP where you need to finish really high. Um, but for a while, it's just don't be bad. So with that efficiency scoring, that's why I went with the two elite quarterbacks. And then Aaron Jones, Darren Waller, Jalen Waddell, Gabe Davis, Jerry Judy, Drake London. So I've gone wide receiver heavy after the uh, the anchor running back and Aaron Jones got my elite tight end. So now I'm like, all right, do I go back to running back here? Because I have uh, five wide receivers. Devin Singletary's on the board. Tony Pollard's on the board. My stacking partner in Brandon Ayuk to go with Trey Lance. Or do I just take who I really want to take and take Traylon Burks? Take Traylon you know, Burks. If, yeah. yeah, if you really want to take Twinkle in your eye Burks. when you said that. Yeah. yeah. I, I could hear it in your heart. I, I know it was it was <laughs> obvious. It's it's a charity league like, too. You're you're not trying to like grind out the the three percent ROI we probably have on like <laughs> you know the puppy superflex two yeah. deluxe drafts we're doing. Uh, like take Traylon Burks. And you, you're, you're gonna you're, feel better if you win. Your face lit up when you said the, the name Traylon Burks. I mean, you, you were grinning. You started grinning. You were like, and you did down take the off your shirt and show your Traylon Burks full chest tattoo. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right now, I know it's, a, it's, it's not a visual right now. Right now. You guys you tell gotta, me to take Traylon Burks. Take and just yeah, do it now. Yeah, I'm gonna go do ahead and do it. So what would you guys do? Would you would you go running back here? I feel like running backs may be more sensible or get a stacking. But the least sensible thing to do is take Traylon Burks. <laughs> I would take a running back probably. <laughs> Yeah, I probably would take Pollard or something. Yeah, you gotta do with the you gotta get what the heart wants. Yeah, the heart, the heart, the heart wants, wants what it wants. wants. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with that right now. Uh, all right, Crane's gonna deliberate that. It sounds like he's not gonna mash any buttons yet. Let's get into what we're here for today, 
wide receiver tiers. Specifically, these are best ball wide receiver tiers, and specifically, they're put together by uh, Kyle Dvorak, who happens to be here today. And Kyle, even though these are best ball tiers, uh, are we in agreement there should be plenty of good info here for season-long drafters as well? Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I don't think they're awfully different from our uh they're, they're not awfully different from my specifically uh season long tiers there are definitely some tweaks i make to like try and capture different ranges of outcomes which are like winning your one 12 person league is a whole lot different than winning the puppy which is like a two million to first what is it like how, crane how many entrants do I have like four five hundred thousand i think uh you mean best ball mania or yeah, yeah, Best Ball Mania. The puppy's probably got like twenty or thirty thousand. I don't know. Yeah, Best Ball yeah, Mania is I think five hundred thousand, sure and the DraftKings five dollar one. I'm pretty sure is just shy of nine hundred thousand entrants. <laughs> so uh, like things like waiting every single playoff week, which is seventeen, sixteen, fifteen, more heavily like matchup based, or you know we get like rookies who will typically come on later. Like it's been proven out in the data that you typically have rookies producing later in the season more so than early that is more useful in a in a contest where you need sort of the nuts in three consecutive weeks you really need a good really good weeks 15 and 16 and then like a true like gpp winning like dfs type of winning lineup in week 17 so that's like the biggest difference to me is not only on a season-long level but on a week-to-week level waiting like what does a player's 80th percentile outcome looks and uh and correlation like understanding that you obviously just want to have even not considering week 17 16 just within your own team understanding that like if a whole team has the chance to move as one that's more important in a contest what is more top heavy than your 12 person league but it's not like you know those are the things i'm factoring in those aren't the only things like it is going to look you know, it will have many shades of what were my, you know, what I put together for the magazine or what we collectively agreed on for the magazine for our consensus ranking. So it is not drastically different. It's different, but not crazy. Okay, so let's just quickly start with tier one. I, I think we'll probably spend the least amount of time on this tier. It's Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, period. Lawrence, any issues for you as you look at this top tier? Any any quibbles, any complaints? Yeah, not really. I mean, I understand um, Devontae Adams being bumped down just a little bit. You got to give him that little bump right there with the quarterback switch. So, you know, yeah, it, 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 no problem with that at all. That way, if, if somebody did have an issue, I, I, would, I would only see it as that Devontae Adams. But then you got a factor in the quarterback situation. So uh, we good right there. Great job, Kyle. Thank you. Yeah, I, I almost quote tweeted the NBC tweet because they tweeted out, you know, our main account tweeted out this um, that uh, I, I really don't think you should have anyone else as a tier one. I don't think you should have anyone of this tier left out. I think you can say and we will eventually make the argument for tier two players who can who have a good chance at making the jump. Right. But when you were just pulling like median projections for these players, these three players have like very little to no uncertainty with their situation. And that gives them an incredibly high median with like low, uh, low standard deviation, right? You're not going to get like, oh, Cooper Cup ran bad on touchdowns and all of a sudden he's a wide receiver too. Dude, if he scored like zero touchdowns, he could be the, the wide receiver too, not a wide receiver too. So just having tight distributions, extremely high opinions of these players' talents and good offenses. I, I can't see the argument for any of these guys out. I, I, I wouldn't put anyone, I, I didn't obviously, but I, I didn't strongly consider putting anyone else in this group, but I think there are plenty of good candidates this time next year to be in group one. Well, I was just going to say the only issue is getting enough of all three because I also like McCaffrey and Taylor. There's no, I don't have any quibbles at the top five this year. When you're in a draft and like Chase falls to the six or the seven and you can scoot in there, it is 
it is one of the best things yeah. in fantasy going back years. I'm just, I'm it's just the little so things happy. in life, and that is one of them. It, it's a beautiful thing, man. If you don't get one of these top three guys, the strategy is just surrender, right? You're done. Season is yeah. finished. Just if you, you if you didn't up. get one of these guys, like Crane said, you really hope you got one of those stud running backs, preferably one of the yeah. top two running backs. But like, <laughs> I actually I have my running back tiers out too, and I put Austin Eckler in tier one. He really wasn't that far, even in half PPR off of of uh, Jonathan Taylor last year. It was like a point and a half PPR, which was bigger than the gap between him and the next player in overall fantasy points, but on a per game basis. So I think if you can get one of the stud running backs, you are fine jumping hopefully into multiple tier two guys. Like you don't just want like, oh, well then I'll take a second, uh, you know, a lower end wide receiver one. You really just want to be jamming in points at the wide receiver position because you can, you can take three of them and then a flex. So if you don't get one of these guys, I'm, I would love to try and get multiple tier two guys. Well, so that takes us right into tier two. The top three guys there in order are Stefan Diggs, the aforementioned Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel. That's the first three. Karain, looking at tier two, the top of tier two, who do you think by the end of the season has the best shot at making a leap into this tier one group? Like at the end of the year when we're counting the points in terms of production, who do you think could end up getting there? This is boring because he's the next guy off the board. But I mean, I think it is Stefan Diggs. I think the market has this right. Um, he was second in the league in air yards last season behind only Justin Jefferson. He had a bit of an off year. He had his lowest yards per out run since 2018, but the bills kind of had a little bit of an off year uh, at times where they, they weren't kind of clicking. And I think part of that was Emmanuel Sanders was their like deep threat, which is not <laughs> necessarily what you want. Uh, you know, a guy on his last legs who was never really like a deep threat specialist to begin with. Uh, now I think we're going to have Gabriel Davis, who has put on weight and he's been pretty efficient. And he just, you know, the last game he played was that game against the Chiefs. So it's exciting to think about what Gabe Davis can do in this offense. But also, like, if you have Stefan Dix, you want Gabe Davis to be good. You want because he's going to have an average depth of target that's probably 14, 15 yards downfield. That's taken a lot of pressure off of Diggs uh, if Davis is is good. You obviously don't want him to become a superstar or something, but you know Diggs really just needs a little bit more efficiency. He needs to connect to all of his targets. He's still going to get fed. He's still going to get really valuable targets from you know arguably the best quarterback in football and arguably the best offense in football. Yeah, I think he's kind of the obvious choice. I think I think Debo would be the other one who I'd be like, yeah, if you didn't think it was Diggs. If you if you are of the opinion like Gabriel Davis is the next star, right? Debo, we've seen it last year, and I say we've seen it as if we haven't seen it with Devontae, but we've seen it in a more similar situation than Devontae, who is changing both his team's offensive style, his quarterback, and then that team he's going to is also having to change their offensive style year over year, getting a, a new staff almost entirely. So Debo is still changing quarterback and we have to see him get back to the the receiver full-time role. I, I love Debo's running back as an observer of football, but you are getting more points out of him when he is a stud wide receiver one, as far as like his team goes, he's just dominating the targets through nine weeks last year. He was on pace on a per game pace over 17 games for 104 catches and over 1800 yards. And he still had a little bit of rushing volume, but it wasn't the same we saw at the end of the year, but that type of production. I mean, that is obviously that's like, probably pretty close to Cooper Cup's numbers last year. So that is what you want to see from him. And we've only seen it for half a season. So that, that's why I didn't put him in tier one. But I wouldn't mind him being kind of the other argument for a guy who, you know, is a pretty easy bet to jump to tier one. 
So we're only talking about the first three of this second tier, correct? Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. If there's someone else you want to mention who you think gets there or has a case to get there, please. Yeah. Give me Tyreek Hill, man. Give me Tyreek Hill. I ranked Tyreek Hill lower than I was comfortable with, but I haven't been getting much of him, so it didn't feel right for me to rank him that highly. Right. And again, a quarterback change like Devontae Adams you uh you know you're you're both of them going from elite quarterback status to one is okay and one we trying to see what he could do but um for for Tyreek Hill uh in in his case this is what I'll say about him um uh, only 15 a lot of people make a, a a big deal about the deep ball him and Patrick Mahomes the deep ball connection um, that's that that tends to be overstated sometimes. Only 15% of his targets last year came beyond 20 yards. Um, so 100 minus 15%, the rest of that, his targets were received at below 20 yards. And that's all I want to see. I want to see him catch the ball and run, get the get get the playmakers the ball and let them run. So I I see uh, in him coming off of a season where he finished at wide receiver six with him being able to get the ball quick. I see a lot of receptions uh, in in his future in Miami in the intermediate uh, part of the field. One guy I thought you were maybe going to mention there, Lawrence is, uh, is T Higgins who, you know, probably isn't going to get there, but if, if Mar chase were out for any extended stretch, I mean, I would feel more comfortable betting on T Higgins than like CD lamb. I would feel more comfortable than Debo Samuel. I mean, he's the contingent value, which the contingent value for T Higgins is really, really strong. Like I think like, he almost would slot in for Jamar chase in terms of where we'd be drafting yes. him if Jamar chase wasn't there. So I would take him um, if, if like today Jamar chase was like, ah, football is fun. I'm done. I would take T Higgins as the wide receiver for he'd be ahead of Stefan Diggs as like, I I would he'd be most closely considered to put him in tier one. I don't think I could do it, but it would be really close. He'd be the highest of tier two. See, my problem with that is I, I looked over the article before we did this and I thought good, T. Good. Higgins was in the next tier. See, I forgot. <laughs> That's why I didn't mention it. I'm thinking we talked because I 100 percent would have said T. Higgins. <laughs> I mean, you know, on a per game basis, he had more catches, not by a lot. But on a per-game basis, he had more catches and targets than Jamar Chase. A lot of people like to play up the, you know, the LSU connection with him and Burrow, but he doesn't truly favor which a, a certain receiver more. He favors them both because they're both uh, top 12 talents in the league. So, yeah, I just thought, like, I was gearing up to talk about him in Tier 3. So, yeah, just forget what I said about Tyree Hill, all right? <laughs> Appreciate oh. that, Pat. Yeah, give, give me T. Higgins, man. We're having a little, it's important, little bit though. of a behind-the-scenes snuggle war on uh, who's higher on T. Higgins. So I feel like I, I got a, maybe a point in my favor on this podcast. You you <laughs> definitely got it on this because you mentioned him. I, I'm how, like, how dare I forget about T. Higgins, no matter where he's, what tier he is, you know? How yeah, they call him I Tier Higgins, is I think what they call him. Uh, no, I, I like that, though, that, like, 
I love Jamar Chase, right? But even from, I think it was like week five or six onward, whenever uh, we had Higgins come back from like the slight shoulder injury, he was something like four targets in 50 air yards behind Jamar Chase over the course of a dozen games. That's nothing. It's like literally almost immeasurable. It's within a standard deviation. So there, there is no real favoritism. I just think Chase is like marginally more talented, a little more explosive with the ball in his hands, but it's close. And it's, uh, I think, so the interesting thing is... I, it's tough to look at Joe Burrow as like not much of a rushing threat, really just the pocket passer and be like, do I really want to buy in on an archetype that we're sort of falling out of favor in fantasy, especially coming off of like a season where it's pretty obvious he's going to regress. It's one of the best combinations of both completion rate and yards per attempt we've ever seen. And yet I have both of his receivers ranked as receivers eight and three. So Crane, are you getting much Joe Burrow? Cause I like, I am getting a plenty of the Bengals pass catchers, not much. I don't think any on the same team as far as the top two, but I'm not doing very much Joe Burrow. And that feels like it's a, a leak. It's sort of a, I need to find where my leak is on that. Am I too high on the receivers or am I too low on Burrow? I think I might be probably around the same on DraftKings, maybe a little bit lower. Cause the thing with Burrow is he's just a little too expensive. I think, you know, like you're getting, it's like Burrow or Hurts. And to me, I'm like, well, I, w- I, may- I might take Burrow's receivers and still take Hurts, you know, to get that rushing mm-hmm. upside. So, yeah, for me, because you could also be looking at, especially in these best ball leagues or kind of only these best ball leagues, like the ping-ponging weeks don't hurt you at all. Like if you have – it's a Jamar Chase week, it's T. Higgins week, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that Burrow is the guy you need in your lineup every week. You could still be better off with a quarterback who has more rushing. So – yeah, if you think about it, like in terms of drafting salary or something like that, like I think just think like Burrow's salary is a little too high. So it'd be the type of thing where maybe you would stack up the Bengals game in a in a GPP lineup, but then bring in a cheaper rushing quarterback. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it like that. Lawrence, you asked us a minute ago f- to forget what you said about Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to do that because you were very convincing. So I'm I, I will not re- I will not forget it. But we are going to move. Don't forget it. Just think of it after. T Higgins, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll try to do that. We're going to move to the tail end of Tier 2. That includes names such as A.J. Brown, the aforementioned Tyreek Hill, and Mike Evans. And I just want to say, if I mention a handful of names, that's only because I don't want to read every name in the tier. So when I ask about this kind of area of the tiers, feel free to bring in other names like Lawrence did. But Kyle, out of this general area of, uh, of your rankings, of your tiers, who gives you the most concern? Is, the, is there a name for you that you're approaching with caution that you're a little hesitant on when you rank them? Yeah, for me, it was Tyreek Hill. I'm like one or two spots below his underdog ADP positionally. Um, and it's not even like as much as the deep ball stuff, which is not good, but it's like it's that plus the overall offense. I really have been down. I don't see... Uh, Mike McDaniel is being a good fit for what Tua does well, which Tua is like good at a very few, very specific things. He throws on play action well and he throws off RPOs well. And he does those at like some of the high, he did, at least did last year, some of the highest rates in the league, but also more efficient on those. And ultimately, I think for his NFL career, that's kind of a crutch. He should probably either be like a prolific rushing threat or just be able to throw from a pocket well. So, I would be concerned about his long-term career for that, but I'm even more concerned about just this year because last year, San Francisco was slightly below average in play action rate, and they were about half of the league average in RPO rate. And that was really what propelled to it to having a decent, able to get his guys the ball season. He didn't even have that good of a season, and that's only because his offense was 
really as well tailored to his skill set as you can possibly make. And now the, the Shanahan system, for all of its uh, attributes, using those type of deceptions, right, has not really been something it's done particularly well, or even often, not even well, just it doesn't do it that often. So if we get to a I don't want to say last year was at his best, but last year was schemed to propel him the most. And now we get an offense that I assume because we see, you know, Mike McDaniel comes in and he brings uh, in three different running backs, one of whom has played in the system, and then a fullback. The team I don't even think employed uh, employed a fullback last year. So it's, it's kind of obvious based on the team's personnel decisions. They're going to do the Shanahan thing. And I think for the long term, that's perfectly fine. But for this year, I think it could be catastrophic for the offense so Tyreek I haven't been getting him much I still haven't ranked close to his uh like positional ADP but behind it to me I don't think it's a risky guy exactly but uh I mean I think there's a risk that he kind of falls out of this ADP tier by the end of draft season um for me it would be Mike Evans Evans is like two weeks ago three weeks ago I was like man Evans is going ahead of Debo I don't know about this and now I was in a draft this morning Evans went ahead of CD Lamb. Now this is a DraftKings draft, and, and weird stuff happens. But <laughs> <laughs> like, even even for DraftKings, like I'm like, what's going on? Like we're we're to me that that only way to make that pick or to have him generally, I think where he's going is it's like we know everything we're gonna know about you know Chris Godwin and and we don't Chris Godwin. There's been some optimistic reports, some pessimistic reports, but there's a chance that he's back pretty early in the season. There's a chance that we're expecting him to be back very early in the season in like a month. So my thing with Evans is if I'm I don't plan to have as little Evans as I do right now in September. And I have very little Evans right now. But I think like I can't imagine how his price gets any more expensive. So just by sitting out, I get to, you know, draft with more information later on. And if I have to take Evans in the mid to late second round in August and September to uh, you know make sure I'm not full full fading a pretty talented receiver, I will do that then. But for the moment, um, this just seems like a lot of the upside is priced in and not much of the risk. Evans is an older receiver; he hasn't been that efficient. He's not as like a, as strong of a talent based bet as the rest of the guys in this tier. It's really the situation and the fact that he's probably carrying the offense if Godwin's out for an extended stretch. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Mike Evans as well. Um, from a regular football standpoint, you kind of you always know what you're going to get from him, and it's going to be solid. Over a 1,000 with the 8 to 10 touchdowns. Um, come, now, coming into the season, I, I rather, uh, you know, I rather just wait longer and take uh, Russell Gage. Um, that's a Tom Brady type of receiver there. Um Cam Brait, he's going to be important in that offense, at least as of today he is. Um, you know, and uh, and, and like uh, and like Pat said, right now he he's uh, he up there. He prices he like Gucci prices right now. So, um, so yeah, you know, draft season that may change, but out of um, but out of uh, him, Tyreek and who who else did you mention? I've got like CD in that group. CD, yeah, I would be the most concerned with uh with, with Mike Evans there. All right, I've been so, concerned that I'm not concerned about AJ Brown because everyone else is, and I'm drafting him yeah. every chance I get. So that's that's one where I'm like, why aren't I concerned? Because I keep drafting this guy, and really smart people, including our own Denny Carter, is pretty nervous about AJ Brown. So hey, some, sometimes everybody's feeling, 
is the wrong thing. You know, like the Chargers winning the Super Bowl this year. Everybody believes that. Everybody's worried about OJ Brown. Yeah. But you're not, Pat. So you I'm might not. be right. You What's might up? be right. I'm not really worried about him either. And you know. But yeah. All right, good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's just the worry about like Jalen Hurts getting the football consistently, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts for as good as he is in fantasy, like it was just a pretty frustrating experience having Eagles receivers in fantasy last year overall and pretty hit or miss week to week, but I don't know. Yeah. But some of that hit or miss is literally Jalen Rager dropping the ball. So yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys, I, I can't believe we couldn't rely more on Jalen Rager, JJ Arcega, Whiteside. you know, these, yeah. these guys, Wes Watkins. Hurts I, has I really got to get it together. Did you see the yeah, way Jalen yeah. uh, yeah. just ran the wrong route and dropped it? Hurts sucks. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I think the move to Philly would be a, very concerning because of how run heavy they were basically after like week six or so onward last year. But like, you'd be surprised to know the Titans were also very run heavy at all times when they've had AJ exactly. Brown. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, it's, I'd say a pretty lateral move. I, I think you could call it a, a slight downgrade, right? I think as a pure passer, Tannehill's probably a more efficient passer than Hurts. You could project him to be. And there's probably more downside that Philly is the most run-heavy team in the league. They were incredibly run-heavy from, you know, week seven onward last year when they stopped letting Jalen Hurts play Superman ball. But it is – it's marginal differences. It's not like he's going from the Bills to the Eagles, right? The Titans are just like, you know, what, five out – you know, probably like nine hours west – Philly. They're just Philly transplanted to a different uh, different part of the country. AJ Kyle, Brown get 1,200 yards with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that one's right. Devontae yep. Smith got, what, 960 as a rookie? Mm-hmm. AJ Brown could go out there and get 1,200. If, if he had not been traded, let's let's here's a hypothetical. AJ Brown was not traded, so they don't draft Traylon Burks. They do have Robert Woods. Where would he be going in drafts right now? I feel like he would be going like half a round higher. Uh, Right now he goes at pick 26 and a half. I feel like he'd be going pick like 20, middle of the second, maybe middle, late of the second, like six to seven picks higher in the first two rounds. It's a lot of movement within a few rounds. I think he'd be going right after CD. You think even a little higher than I do. We all agree that he'd be going higher. There would uh, probably be some people ranking him right inside the top 10 if he don't switch teams. Because yeah. it's not like Robert Woods coming in is is that's not going to change it. He, I mean, they brought Julio there last year to play a few games. You know, like A.J. Brown was, is clearly that guy. So it needs to be more than a slight downgrade of the offense is, is kind of my point there. To justify the downgrade in ADP, yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's more target competition, but I think we're I think we've priced it in. I'm, I'm still going to take him. <laughs> it's good that we came right. to the conclusion that you started with. <laughs> <laughs> and you still haven't drafted Traylon Burks as far Not as... Not yet. Know, I'm still thinking about Pollard because uh, pretty, pretty good ADP value. Pretty good ADP value. All right. Top of tier three features DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin at 12 through 15. Lawrence, who do you like the most out of this group or in the nearby vicinity if you want to pull in another name? And I want to hear from everyone else. Same prompt um, uh, after Lawrence goes. Well, well, I'm a big Keenan Allen fan. He stays consistent. Some folks think he getting old, but no. But I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Jerry Judy. That's another guy I love this year, man. Uh I feel like this season 
we'll finally get to see what he was coming out of college. We'll get to see that type of prospect he was coming out of college. Now that he'll have a real, you know, all pro level quarterback uh, in Russell Wilson. Um, now the great debate is, is it uh, Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? Um, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, we, we just saw, you know, Russell Wilson in literally every year he plays, you know, he, he can support uh, two, two wide receivers if they have that talent, you know, did, did it with DK Metcalf in uh, Tyler Lockett. Now you got Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, but man, I'm, I'm loving Jerry Judy. Um, I, I, I like him more than Corlin Sutton. And uh, I just think, yeah, I had, I had to see, you got to say that. You I was going to ask, like, I was going like, to ask if you didn't like, say like the cop out is to just say both, which is true, yeah. obviously, but you got to go at one. You just can't take the easy way out. Yeah. I'm going Judy, man. He had a great rookie season, um, started out the, um, uh, you know, his, his second year with the ankle injury. And then after that, you know, shuffling with, uh, Teddy B and Drew Locke at quarterback, um, you know, so that did not work in his favor. So I think, you know, you get that, you get that elite route running, finally going there with, uh, with him and Russell Wilson, the two good running backs in the backfield. Um, I think he'll be able to give us consistent weeks when it comes, uh, to grabbing receptions. Yeah, Crane, where do you fall? I feel like to me, this is probably the biggest stand in the first like four tiers of my rankings that I, I made because everything else is mostly within like reason of ADP. Having them flipped, I have Jerry Judy four or five receiver spots ahead of Court and Sutton, both in the same tier, but you know, I have Judy significantly ahead of Sutton and ADP is the, the other way. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest stand I make in the first four ish, four or five tiers. And it's the biggest one. Jerry Judy is probably one of the biggest stands I have in best ball right now. Do you have a, an opinion on how you should rank them? I still think you should consider the market. And if you are like, understand that you don't have to take Jerry Judy as wide receiver 12 or 14 or whatever to make sure you get him. Understand that you can try and play the price game with him. But if I'm preferring one, I've been going Judy. Do you have a, a strong lean on either one? Uh, I have more Judy, but it's just because he's so much cheaper. So um, I would take Sutton, and I do. I take Sutton first, like every time, um, just because you know the mar- I know the market's going to give me pr- better prices on Judy, and I sometimes I've gotten close to getting them both recently. It's, it is a little tough to get them both, but it's a rush. Um, it's a rush when you do. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a rush. You haven't lived. Yeah, no, you have uh, not lived. I like I like Sutton. All right. I mean. I like kind of a lot of the guys in this general range. I like a lot. The dude for me that jumped out was DJ Moore, who I like that you have as the top of this tier. Uh, because I was, because I, you know, I was drafting a lot of Waddle, Sutton, Marquise Brown, kind of all in this range. I didn't have enough DJ Moore prior to the How Baker trade. Like I, I was, I was overweight, but I wasn't, I didn't have like a big old bag. And, and, and I was like, I blew it. <laughs> like I, I should have had like 25% of this guy. And, you know, I had like 12 or something. So, you know, you, you take your lumps, right? You're like, all right, I guess I'm taking him in the, the 303 now, and I'll probably do it. And nope, he's going exactly where it was before. You can just, you can fix the air. Where there's kind no of blew cost. my mind. <laughs> no one is making me pay. I was like, I'll just take DJ Moore now, who has a better outlook and the same exact price. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing. It's been an absolute <laughs> gift. I love it. All right. We have more tiers to come. First, we're going to take a very quick break. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play. You have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesdays and Thursdays called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Also, the Fantasy Football Expo presented by NBC Sports Edge is coming to Canton, Ohio, August 12th through 14th. Some of the top experts in the country, including literally some of the people in this room right now, Pat Doherty, Pat Crane, Denny Carter, Lawrence Jackson, Kyle Dvorak, at the only true fantasy football expo in the country. Tickets are available at thefantasyfootballexpo.com. Use promo code NBCPASS at checkout to save $20. Okay, returning to Kyle's wide receiver tiers, it struck me when I was reading through this that as we get into tier four, it feels like we're suddenly wading into a lot of uncertainty. We have some guys with new quarterback situation, new competition on the roster, new teams, one at least one notable injury still lingering. So we have names like Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, Elijah Moore, DK Metcalf, Chris Godwin, et cetera. Karain, who who would you say is the surest bet for you in this tier? Like who's your favorite target out of this group as we look at all this uncertainty? If you kind of frame it as who's the surest thing, I it's probably the guy I'm not taking that much, and it's it's Darnell I, Mooney. Like I don't think Darnell I, Mooney's gonna He's going to get targets. There's no one. I was going to say that was Brandon Cook. Swingle coming for the job? Nope. Is Velas right. Jones? Nope. Nikhil Harry? Definitely not. Like no one can take this role away from him. He's it's locked in. His skill set fits well with Fields. You know, downfield guy. Um, he's he's shown an ability to play in the slot and play outside, but he's not been that efficient. And he's a very slender man. I, I just <laughs> he's he's not that tall. Like I don't think he's going to be a. Uh, a true wide receiver one in fantasy. I just think he's a uh-huh. little bit of a low ceiling play. So, um, you know, if, if you're just not enjoying the uncertainty and you want to get a wide receiver, who's not going to be nothing would, and sometimes that works, right? If you go three running backs early, you might need a wide receiver like that might be a, the right yeah. archetype, but otherwise I'm going Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman's the guy who, you know, similar play where I'm just betting on targets, but I think he could consolidate, targets in a really big way like i wouldn't be shocked if you know he had like a 27 28 target share it's a little bit tougher to me for me to see with moody and i like the ravens offense so much better like the ravens offense could be really efficient through the air even if they're not high volume the bears i mean if they're efficient this year like i i need to like go learn <laughs> learn about football man I, like, I don't know nearly as much as i think i do a lot of people do these days, man. <laughs> Karain, when you said like if you start off your draft with like 
three running backs or something, which uh, is wild and too much tea for me to ever have done. You just have to be such a, a larger, stronger man than I or a woman than I to, to do so. But uh, if if I did, my thought was the, sort of the same process. And what situation do I want to get to? For me, it was Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, uh, I think uh-huh. I, I have in the article, he's finished fewer than uh, like the wide receiver 21 in points per game, like last year's mark of 11 half PPR points per game once in, in his career. He has consistently been at worst like a low end wide receiver too. But if I have a bunch of running backs on my team and I don't have a wide receiver, my first thought isn't, uh, and this is maybe a flaw in my thinking, but my first thought isn't like, I need to shore up some points to the position. I'm like, I got to go find myself a wide receiver one, like a fantasy wide receiver one. And to me, that is not going to happen through Brandon Cooks. So I'm just like, why don't I just take Elijah Moore, who was like an incredibly dominant college prospect, one of the best yards per route run among power five players in recent years, one of the highest yards for scrimmage from game per game uh, over the past few seasons coming out of college. And obviously that often seems to make a massive turnaround, but if it does, it will happen through one of two players or in probably a combination to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. So to me, I'm like, Oh, I don't, you know, I'm going to go up against uh, teams with, you know, D Higgins and AJ Brown and even worse Cooper cup and, and all these players. How do I make up that ground? Realistically, the answer is I've made it up via my running backs, but my thinking is uh, I want to keep trying to make it up through high upside receivers and Bateman and Elijah Moore are the players who stick out to me as that profile. Pat, you lucky you went first that time. Cause I already screamed Bateman right there. <laughs> And, you know, as I'm looking at this list, I'm looking at DK Metcalf and just yeah. knowing that he's so much better than everyone in this tier, yeah, probably right. that Chris Godwin. Um, and, and it's tough to go away from that. But I'm going to yeah. say if I can't have Bateman in this situation, I'll look towards uh, Allen Robinson. And, um, you know, I'm just going to go off of the, you know, he's, he's coming into a situation here with the Rams um, in a similar fashion in which Odell Beckham came to this team last year. Same age, um, injury history, um, can have good games as the number two option in the passing game, had quarterback troubles at his previous stop. All of those things are very similar with these two. Now, Allen Allen Robinson, a little little bigger of a guy, a little more physical of a guy at the at the position. But um, when you get in that offense, uh, and now I mean Cooper, Cooper Cup, obviously he gonna do what he do, but he is now a man with a target on his back. So I gotta go to that offense in which the quarterback is uh, gonna hover around forty touchdown passes. So I, I'll take the wide receiver two in that offense. All right, we're going to move now to Tier 5, and there's definitely some intriguing names here. A few that jumped out at me uh, are Michael Thomas, Amara St. Brown, Sky Moore, Drake London, just to name a few. Kyle, who are you most excited about in this tier at this precise moment? When I think about excitement, uh, of course, you have to quantify it. You can't feel things without putting numbers in them, or how else would you sure. live life? How else would you understand your emotions <laughs> other sure, than sure, numbers? Sure. To me, excitement, I think of basically someone I have above ADP. You know, of course, like I'm excited about Cooper Cup or whatever. He's very good, but I'm not going to be able to like get him at some inordinate rate because he goes pr- probably roughly where he should. I'm taking. <laughs> an unhealthy amount of Sky Moore. I actually have him and Juju Smith-Schuster ranked in the same tier. I have Juju ahead of him, 
Uh, and that is me just like doing my best to regress my opinions toward the market. So the markets trend toward being sharp, but I, I, they miss something. That's how we win. And uh, to me, Juju Smith-Schuster having not been efficient since like 2018 and not being able, not only not being efficient, that offense isn't Seems like the, the Steelers offense, you know, I, to his credit, has not been an efficient on like a, a per snap basis for any of their players really outside of like Chase Claypool. Uh, you know, it hasn't been efficient for any of them. But the fact that he's been the least efficient among them and he hasn't been able to draw targets on that offense to the level of someone like Deontay Johnson. So he's not as good as Deontay Johnson. He's not as efficient as the players on his team. And now, like, do I really think he can come in here and turn his career around? Especially when I think there are players who could just have a baseline of being more talented and that player being Sky Moore. I think you can make that that argument for MVS, though. You just have a baseline of talent that is higher starting off. So to me, it's Sky Moore. I think his competition for targets outside of Travis Kelsey is very weak at, at best it's not strong at worst it's nothing like it, for the chiefs at worst at least it, it could really be nothing like mbs could be the one trick pony he's always been and juju smith schuster could be the player he's been for the past three years and at that point it is like it is is completely wheels up for sky Moore to have one of the better rookie seasons we've seen in recent memory so i've been taking a lot of sky Moore. i really haven't been taking like almost any juju and i've been getting pretty much the rest of the the chiefs as well so he's kind of the one stand i have against right now well, you speak of targets. Uh, this young man here is gonna get a is gonna get a lot of those. Uh, by the end of this year, he might be the most popular dude named Drake. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, given know, the way Drake's recent albums have gone, that wouldn't be that that much of a <laughs> There you go, uh, <laughs> Drake London, man. Um, you know. You got him down there in the ATL. You take him 10th overall. Let's not waste no time. Let's not play around. Uh, this team going to have, you know, they're going to have, they're going to, it's going to be tougher than winning some games, you know. So they're going to, despite it being, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota at quarterback, uh, he was just the backup last year. Um, and he doesn't, Marcus Mariota doesn't have a history of uh, like, good receivers in fantasy that he he is good at having good tight ends so shout out to Kyle Pitts there but um somebody's gonna have to uh gobble up those targets and receptions when that attention is going to Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts did get bracketed a lot as just as a rookie so um that's primary that is why they brought in Drake London uh to start there at that XY receiver and you know, even looking at the running back position, man, um, you know, you got Cordell Patterson who who will do a little bit of both. But, you know, and I appreciate him a lot, but, you know, he, he ain't getting no younger, man. It's time for uh, it's going to be time for Drake to uh, do his thing. So one of these rookie receivers is going to have that type of year and Kyle's banking on it being Sky Moore. Um and and I'm going Drake London here, and I'm sure Pat's with Traylon Burks, who he still hasn't drafted yet, and Scott Fishbone. <laughs> but uh, give me a uh, Drake London, man. Just thinking about you know my positional needs, Lawrence. Think about your I feelings. Think about your emotions. Think about your feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Feelings. yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, feelings you also dead. have to think about your future feelings and the upside, the emotional upside. If I take Pollard here, and then I get Burks to fall to me in the eleventh, I mean, I'm gonna be flying high, but. To get back to the the question at hand here, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is actually who I would pick. Burks, you know, I'm taking yes. London ahead of Burks because uh, the market says I should, and I think there's some risk with Burks' uh, early season role. But if I go Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he's one of the guys that is 
kind of illustrative of the difference between like best ball rankings and uh, in season kind of redraft rankings, you know, managed mm-hmm. leagues rankings. Because I'm gonna St. Brown, like I don't know, you know, I'm not sure if he's gonna be what we saw at the end of last season, but if he is, he's gonna be one of the easiest starts. Like I'm just plugging him in. I'm like he's he's getting a ton of targets. Jerry Goff is locked onto this guy. You know, he's just mm-hmm. racking up points for me every week. Kind of plug and play starter. And is Tyler Lockett really have any chance of doing that? You know, I, I'm I'm with Kyle on Juju. You know, you got to wait forever on DeAndre Hopkins. That roster spot with you know you can't churn out for a waiver wire guy really hurts you. Adam Thielen's going to be like touchdown dependent. So a lot of these guys, they feel more like best ball picks to me where Amon Ross St. Brown is, is totally viable in best ball, but in like a, a high stakes league or whatever, he also, it's easy to see how that pick really pays off. So um, I, I would argue, I think that he belongs in tier four. If we're just talking about right, right. Uh, yep. redraft rankings, like who's an easier start this year. It, you know, if he kind of like, not, it doesn't have the best season ever, but he's a hit as a hit. I think I'm going St. Brown is a, easier start than Devontae Smith, right? Devontae Smith is going to be yeah. kind of tough to know when the weeks are. So um, I, I like Amon Ra a lot. The case, I'm, gl- I'm glad someone brought up Amon Ra St. Brown because I think we've talked about this before and it's hard to quantify, but the case against him is, well, it doesn't seem like he could keep up that pace from late last season, but the case for him is with a similar what role. What if, what if he does? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the case, the, the case is like, does? The case is, uh, you know, I mean, sure he put up great numbers. Sure he put up great numbers. Ignore that rookie season. Like, it's not – this dude almost touched a 1,000 yards and he wasn't consistently starting until the latter part of the season. Like, yeah, can't deny that. Yeah. I mean, you could deny it by saying anyone with a pulse could get targets on a team with Josh Reynolds and Cleve Raymond as that the, is true. the number two and three receiver. Right. But uh, I, I don't – I would think that's how you would deny it. I don't know if that's entirely yeah. true, though. If Amon Ra was literally just a guy, it would have been a rough – somewhat of a right, flat distribution right. of targets. He and wouldn't clearly, have capitalized. Exactly. Clearly, he is more than just a guy because he buried his teammates at the end of the season. He was clearly not just – better like a lot of players are better than Khalif Raymond right he wasn't just better he was like a sun so bright that you can't see anything around it that much better than the guys they were trotting out at the end of the year and he definitely had at least one rushing touchdown because I remember watching yeah. it I forget what team it was against he I think it might have been against might have been against Atlanta if I remember correctly he ran it right up the middle just like a wreck like he was Cordero Patterson or something he just hand yeah. it off. He ran up. I'm like, oh, they using him like this too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you when you faded him in DFS that week, seeing him get like a two point conversion yeah, and a rushing <laughs> touchdown was only just incredibly <laughs> difficult. It was the, I know which game it was. It was game versus Seattle because it was best ball playoffs. Seattle. Yes. Everyone crushed that uh, with Monroe. Yeah. And no, it felt good to watch a player I had none of. <laughs> felt great. Felt great. <laughs> I think yeah. the other thing I'll, with uh with him is golf. It's like, you know, there's added right. target competition with Shark. And Jameson Williams, once he's healthy, but like, I think part of it is just golf is not a complete quarterback by any stretch. You know, like his, right. his deep threat in the, in the Rams offenses was usually Josh Reynolds and he'd have like an eight out of 10, you know, your deep threat's supposed to have an eight out of like 15, 16, like, you know, 17, if it's Marcus Valdez scanling, like he doesn't really throw deep. Like he, he right. wants a guy who gets open quickly, 
over the middle of the field, and he's probably going to lock onto him. So there's, you know, maybe they designed the offense so that defenses aren't able to just realize it's all going to Amon Ra, but there's a chance that Goff is just like, I don't care if I'm them anyway. Yeah, perfect mesh of quarterback limitations and receivers, uh, what a receiver yes. does well. So uh, there are nine tiers. We've gone through uh, parts of five of them. We don't have time to go through the remainder. In fact, we only have a few minutes before we have to go, guys. So really quickly, just want to go around the room uh, with one additional guy, one additional favorite target from any tier or one additional fade. And if you want to be quick, you can get in both. But just kind of a parting thought from the remaining tiers from either of you, all three of you guys before we go. I talked about him a little earlier. I'll go Russell Gage in that next tier, man, especially, uh, you know, early in the season. He's going to get them looks from Tom Brady, man. I mean, I'll go Traylon Burks. Like, I think he should probably be in this uh, this tier above. Like, you're ranking him after Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's a 5-3, I believe. Come on. What are we doing here? Uh, Traylon Burks is got a huge deal. Another one of these guys were like, sure, in best ball, you know, you probably do want that discount. You're getting it in most drafts, but – you know, he could not start for the first few weeks of the season. But once he does, like he is passing Nick Westbrook-Akine this year. He's going to. And once he does, I think he's going to have a pretty easy time getting targets. Uh, his his prospect profile is is pretty darn good. So uh, gonna another guy who's probably going to be a pretty easy start once he finally earns a role. But you refuse to draft him. Yeah, I also I'll refuse to draft him because I, I love running back so much. Yeah, you're a big running back guy. We've always... Talked about you as being Every, everyone the, does that. Yeah, the, the muscular bullies people, give them swirlies, whatnot type of guy. I did, do three I did two consecutive drafts last night where I took three running backs in the first five rounds. And I was like, what? I was like, I got to go to bed. This was, this was bad. <laughs> I got to get more sleep. Uh, Kai, what about for you? I got a Robbie Anderson. Over the past two years, he's got 10 games with double-digit targets. He, he draws targets, and he hasn't done a ton with them in the past two years because that's like what happens when you're playing with like the corpse of Cam Newton and Sam Darnold. And Baker isn't great, but he's better than those guys. So he gets targets. He's got a better offense around him now. And he's he's free as, as it gets. All right. Make sure you check out. You can read this full column on NBC Sports Edge right now. Kyle's wide receiver tiers are up. You said the running back tiers are up as well. Quarterback Kyle? tiers are up as well. And tight end tiers next week. Okay. Anything else, Lawrence, Corrine, Kyle, you guys would like to promote on the site before we get out of here? On a good football show on Mondays, we've been having uh, beat writers on, so make sure you guys are checking those out. Ben Raven was on for the Lions, talking up Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson. Lawrence? Yeah, yeah, check out that draft guy, man. Uh, myself and these guys here, we we wrote a lot of stuff on this, you know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> definitely check that out. We also coming with the fantasy previews every day. Yep. All right. That's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. And thanks to you three, Kyle, Lawrence, Corrine. Appreciate it. See you guys next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.